0: Super, super glad that you're here at both of our campuses. I am so excited that you're here. My name is Jeremy. If you don't know, I'm one of the pastors around here, and uh, we are in the middle of our Christmas series. And by the way, Merry Christmas to you and your family! Come on, how you doing? I am so excited about Christmas. Uh, it's a great time of the year here at Metro, and I hope that you will get involved all the way through because we have a lot—and I mean a lot—going on this year. But we are in the middle of our Christmas series, and it's called "The Ghost of Christmas Past." present, and future. And we get the whole idea from, of course, Charles Dickens' novel that was written way back in, what, 1843 uh, called A Christmas Carol. And I don't know if you've had a chance to read the book or watch one of the 2,000 different movies that were created about this little book. Um, But it is a great, great story of a guy named Ebenezer Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Uh, And he loves only one thing. He loves Money. He loves himself. He has uh, very little love for anybody else. He has no joy in him. And he is visited by these three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas, past, present, and future. And collectively, uh, they show him where his life is heading. And it is not good. And he has to make this change. In his life. And so that's sort of where we get inspired for this series. And today, if it's okay with you, I'd like to take you uh, into a little journey uh, of of what we're going to call the Ghost of Christmas present, where there are some things in our life from way back there. That we have brought into our life, and it has been allowed to determine who we are and what we are becoming. And I think it is worth dealing with some of those things. And so we're gonna talk straight up about some of the things in our present life that should not be there. Are you willing? You ready to go? So here's where we're gonna start we're gonna to pray together at both of our campuses, and we're gonna ask God to speak into our hearts today. Let's pray. So Father in heaven, we pause just for a moment, uh, recognizing that all of us are in very, very different spots, but I pray that your spirit would speak to each one of us, uh, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, we say it like this, speak, oh God, for your child is listening. Amen. Amen. Well, I heard a story about a pastor who got a, uh, he he was making some phone calls of people who recently had visited his church, and so he calls this house, and uh, on the other end of the phone, uh, he he says, hi, this is Pastor So-and-so, and And on the other end of the phone, it was, hello, like a whisper, like, hello, and the pastor says, well, who's this? And this little whisper says, Jimmy, and the pastor says, Jimmy, uh, h- how old are you? He says, four. <laughs> and, and the pastor says, four. Wow, is, is your mom home? And the boy says, she's busy. <laughs> and, and he says, well, is your dad around? Is he home? And he says, well, he's busy too. And, and the, the pastor's kind of going, I don't know what's going on here, uh, but uh, is there any other adult in the house? And the kid says, yes. And he says, well, what other adults there? And he says, the police are here. And, and the guy says, well, the pastor says, well, put one of the police officers on the phone. And he says, they're busy. And he says, well, is there any other adults in the house? And he goes, yes, the firemen. And the pastor says, well, put one of the firemen on the phone. And he says, they can't. They're busy. And uh, the kid's whispering all the way through. And, and finally, the pastor says, well, what are all these adults busy doing? And he says, well, they're busy looking for me, Right? They're busy looking for me. Uh, Some of you will get it later. Uh, So, but just like Jimmy, a lot of people, uh, they hide, don't they? A lot of people hide, and they're hiding from all kinds of things. They're hiding from their parents and the police, and they're hiding from their bosses and their spouses, and they're hiding from friends and teachers and coaches. But really, most of all, they're hiding from themselves, and they're hiding from God. They're hiding from themselves and they're hiding from God. And, and, and friends, my guess is is that most of us do this. You have done this, especially uh, with this idea of hiding from God. I, I think one of the main reasons that people end up hiding from God, if we're to be honest, is because we've done something wrong. Right? I mean, really wrong. And we know it. You don't need a preacher to tell you what's going on or what you've done that's wrong. You just know it. You've done these things inside of you that have separated you from God. And as I thought about it, um, something registered to me that it's bigger than just doing something from God being the reason that we hide from God. I think it is actually bigger than that. I think it's because we know that we are not who we want to be. Uh, You see the difference? I think it's even deeper than just doing something wrong. I think the reason that we pull back from, from people around us and we even hide from ourselves and from God especially, it's because we know that we are not who we really want to be and who we're, we ought to be in this, in, in this life. And, and friends, listen, I think it's because there is this thing called shame that comes over us. And you might be big and bad and tough and you might think, oh, I'm the man and I'm not afraid of anything, I'm not ashamed of anything. No, that's not true. I mean, you might be big and bad, but uh, but it's not true. All of us, I think, carry some measure of regret, some measure of Uh, of shame from somewhere back in our life where we just have a decision that we wish we wouldn't have made, a moment that we would have turned in the other direction, something that would have shaped our life a little bit different. And so today, I just got to warn you straight up, it is going to get a little bit heavy in the house. Are you okay with that? Uh, It's going to get a little deep in the house today, and I just want to warn you on the front side to be prepared for this because we're going to talk about this deeply painful emotion called shame because it affects who we are today. And, and so what's interesting to me is this time of the year, around Christmas time and the holidays and all that, a lot of people uh, battle this thing called shame at higher levels than they do the rest of the year. And I think it's because uh, our year seems to culminate at the holidays, right? And we kind of look back, and we often can look back in our life, and, and, and we see that things did not turn out the way we planned for them to turn out. That things aren't as... Uh, homey and as loving and as good as we thought they should be or could have been. They're just different. And and I think it's this thing called shame that, that keeps us from Uh, really becoming who God wants us to be. And I think it often sets us back in life. Uh, And and I want to talk about this idea of present shame in our life a little bit today. Um, You know, if if we were to be honest, I I bet most of us in this room, I bet most of us in this room, I think if we were to think back into our childhood or our younger years, or maybe even just a couple weeks ago, you can probably remember uh, your first big moment of shame when you felt this thing called shame. Can you remember that? I think back in your life there was this moment where you go, "Uh uh-oh, I screwed something up. Something shifted inside of you, right? Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? You have this moment that something in your life just changes. For me, I can can remember, I think I was around maybe 10, maybe 11 years old, and uh, it was the first big moment that I can remember feeling what I just described as as shame. I was riding my bike through this wooded area near our house, and uh, it was up near a main street, and there was this party store, kind of liquor store up near the main street, and uh, I was riding through these trails, and I came upon this stack of magazines, stack of magazines, and I can even remember that they were tied off with a rope, all of them together, a big stack of magazines, and and they were Playboy-style magazines, if you know what I mean, right? And uh, I was just a kid. This was in a different era. We didn't grow up on screens, and it was a totally different world back then. I don't think kids had nearly the access to this kind of junk as they do today. But I remember uh, stopping and seeing this stuff, and and something happened. I, I just remember walking away very confused, and I remember feeling dirty and curious and upset all at the same time. I, I remember all of a sudden uh, being strangely uncomfortable around my own mother after that. I just remember something shifted inside of me. Something was different, and, and, and I remember the feeling. I would describe it as, as feeling shame in my life, right? I wanted to run and hide. Have you ever been there? Anybody in the room? Where you just go, what in the world is happening to me? Uh, shame, it, it's that part of you that has like self-hatred, right? It's, it's like when you have a hand and, and you, wanna, you did something wrong, so you want to slap yourself on the forehead. Anybody ever do that? I, I, I remember when my kids were little, I would say, no, no, don't do that. And they would do it anyways, and then they'd get in trouble, and they would spank themselves, right? I mean, there is some, it's a kind of a weird deal, but, it, but it's true, right? Right? Um, Shame is that memory that classifies you as horrible. It's that action that you define as ruining who you are. Uh, or, or maybe or maybe for some it's that person and what they did to you and you just can't get past it. It holds you captive. Your shame holds you captive to the flesh, right? Shame is this unending pain that seems to resurface all day long, every day, and sometimes just out of the blue and you don't even know where it comes from, Right? Um, you get angry at yourself about it. You, you hate that part of who you are. And if you could take a scalpel and operate on the emotions that kind of trigger those things, you would cut them off. But you can't cut them off because they're wired so deep inside of you. You feel stuck with these, emotion and, uh, these emotions. And, and this idea of shame has, has branded us, right? It defines us. It says you're sinful and horrible and tainted. And that's all you will ever be. That's all you will ever become in this world. And it holds us there. Shame, listen to me, friends, it speaks your name. It labels you. Um, Shame is this little beast that lives inside of us that, that separates you from God. It causes you to hide from God and it shreds all that is holy in your life. And though there are so many ways in your life that you are moving forward, it reminds you just how bad you really are. And it keeps you from who God has called you to be. Shame lies to you. It speaks your name. And uh, it, it lies to you and says that you can't be the temple of God because you are so tempted away from God. It says that you can't be a child of God when you have hurt other children from God like that Uh, you can't be in God's light when you find yourself so steeped in darkness all the time you can't win when you've already decided that all of your inadequacies label you a loser you can't be of worth when everyone else has declared that you are worth nothing shame it speaks your name and it holds you somewhere and that somewhere is down that somewhere is away from God It causes you to hide from who God really has called you to become and to hide from God himself. Uh, Some of you are familiar with the story of the Garden of Eden, right? The very beginning of of creation uh, found in the Bible book of Genesis. I don't know if you've ever read through it. It's it's an incredible story. It's it's really a narrative of the becoming of humanity, really, becoming what we are today. Uh, It's an amazing story because when you first look at this story, uh, Adam and Eve are placed in this place called The... Anybody? The garden, and it was perfect. It was meant to be a right relationship with God where Chipotle was free every day of the week. It was amazing, you know. And, uh, uh, but it was meant to be this place of full disclosure. It was meant to be this place of pure openness and unbridled love and innocence. And and that was quickly what? Destroyed. Because this thing called sin enters into the story. And this thing called sin, it literally separates us from God. And some of you who are a little bit more familiar with the Bible, you'll remember that in this story, um, it describes how Adam feels the weight of this sin. And then he goes and what? Anybody remember? He goes and hides, as if you could hide from God as if your position of where you are could somehow move you away from God's sight and God's knowledge and God's understanding of you, right? And we often do this, right? We, we, we think we're not, we're not going to show up to church because God's already mad at me. As if staying away, he's not going to see you. And so Adam hides. And he hides in the garden. And God asks this question. He says, Adam, where are... Anybody Remember? You. He says, where are you? And Adam whispers back like Jimmy on the phone. And he says, I heard you were in the garden and I was uh, afraid. And so I what? I hid. You see, sin and hiding are inseparable. They're like fraternal twins uh, of the fall of humanity. They, they go together and together they're called shame, right? Because that's what Adam felt. He felt the shame of his disobedience. He felt the shame of his separation from God. And friends, listen, uh, that's my story and that's your story because every single one of us, and I don't care if you believe or not, if you're a Christian or not, you, you know that you have done things that make you hide, that make you run from the very people who are supposed to love you the most. And ultimately, I think because of our shame, This is what keeps many people from even knowing God. It keeps us distance from God. And you're afraid to get real and vulnerable and to move into a right relationship with him. Because of all the stuff that's going to be exposed. Because God is good and God is holy. And you and me, come on. We're not so good. We're not so holy. And so shame keeps us from God, but God does not want us to continue to hide, and God does not want us to continue to run from him. Um, we run and we hide, but God is on the chase, right? Uh, he, he comes after us, and, and while we're still in hiding, God is still seeking us out, calling, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? He, he looks for us. And so what I want to do, if it's okay, uh, over the next few minutes, I want to talk about um, the power that shame has over our life, okay? Okay? And then, if, if it's okay with you, I want to talk about the good news about how Jesus has the power to lift our shame. Amen? Okay, is that cool with y'all at both of our campuses? Let's fire this up a little bit. Here's where we're going to start. Uh, maybe you want to write this down so we get our minds around this a little bit. Shame is different than guilt. It is different from guilt. Ed Welch, a professor and an author of a book called Shame Interrupted, he says that there is a difference between shame and guilt. He says that guilt's message is I did something bad and I need to be justified. I need to be forgiven. That, that guilt says that you need to change this. The reason we feel guilty is to lead us to not continue to do what we've always done. But shame, he says, carries a different sort of message with it, a message that says I am bad. that they're And he says as a result of this, we need to have an identity shift, a relational uh, correction because shame speaks your name. Shame identifies you. It labels you. Shame is an emotion that says I am bad. And, and you see what we do here? When shame speaks our name, listen to this, we connect the who with the what and the what with the who as if what we have done defines us for our entire life. Come on, has anybody ever done something way back then when you go, but I'm not that guy anymore, but they don't let me change. My family still thinks of me as that guy way back then. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Because shame, it connects the what with the who, we we connect to what we did with who we are. And since I did bad, I thus must be bad and I'm never gonna be capable of anything different. It's like we we go, oh, he rejected me, therefore I am worth nothing. Or after what they did to me or after what I did, I must be worth less, I must be worth nothing. Guilt is supposed to lead you to somewhere different, but shame, listen, traps you in a terrible moment forever. That's really good preaching, Pastor Jay. Right? Shame traps you. Guilt is supposed to move you like, oh boy, I'm not going to do that again because that was horrible and that was bad and I should not have done that. That's guilt. But shame keeps you right there forever. It labels you, identifies you. Shame is, uh, it has power over you because it speaks your name. Um, it personally identifies who you are becoming, and I'm telling you the second thing about this idea of shame. Let's let's talk about this. Shame rises up from our past in two different ways. It rises up from our past. Honestly, this happens in two different ways. I think shame can arise from what others have done to you, right? We talked about this a lot last week. Um, that many people, even in this room, even on video today. You carry around a secret. Of what somebody did to violate you in some way. Uh, maybe they abused you verbally. And they set in motion this idea that you are worthless all of your life. Or, or maybe they, they were abusive sexually towards you or physically towards you in some way. Or, or maybe somebody abused you just by playing you like the fool. And they've just taken from you. Shame wants to keep you there. We, we talked a lot about this last week, and, and I remember there's a story that comes out of the Bible, and it's a, kind of an off-the-beaten-path sort of a story. I uh, just want to tell you about it real quick. You don't even have to turn there, but it's found in, in the book of 2 Samuel 13. There's a story of a young lady named Tamar, and Tamar was actually raped by her half-brother, Amon. And uh, Amon was one of the grandchildren of David, if I remember correctly. And he was in line for the throne, and he was attracted to his half-sister. And because of his physical desire for her, he he molested her. It was just a terrible, horrible story. Little side note, uh, the Bible doesn't hide much, right? This is one of the reasons I I believe that the Bible is true. Uh, Because if I was writing a book to convince the world that God is God and all this kind of stuff, I would make sure I'd keep all the dirty details out right? But the Bible hides nothing of some of its big characters. And and so, Amon, um, he ends up raping his half-sister, and he ends up blaming Tamar for it, which is crazy, right? Um, In his mind, he justified his actions, and he blames her, and and then he uses his power as one of the line in the throne of the kingdom uh, to expel his step-sister from the kingdom, and he wanted nothing to do with her anymore, probably because of his guilt, probably because of his shame, right? He blames her for what he does, and he sends her out of the kingdom to get away from it, out of sight, out of mind. I don't have to think about it anymore, right? And so he sends her out, and, and the scripture is, is very int- interesting how he records Tamar. It says that she walks away um, in mourning and in shame. As a matter of fact, there's one little verse that describes it, and it says like this, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, it says, And she laid her hands on her head and, and went away, crying aloud as she went. You can see like this, right? Chest broken and ashamed because of something somebody did to her, and she's suffering for it. I think um, this kind of thing, when this kind of, things hap- this kind of thing happens to people, I think we tend to brand ourselves with a red letter, that somehow I deserve this, somehow um, I must have done something wrong to make this person behave like this toward me. Uh, friends, let me tell you something, that is a lie, and that is the devil trying to define you, it's trying to use shame to define you for the rest of your days. L- let me tell you something. Um, God knows those deep, dark secrets. And he, care, he cares. He really does. And he wants to have healing in your life. But friends, generally speaking, we can't find that healing alone. We, we need to take some steps toward healing. We really do. Um, maybe you need to go see a good Christian counselor. Or maybe you need to connect with your campus pastor here who would love to walk through these kinds of things with you because shame can hold us, and it rises up from our past. You all with me so far? And the first way is what somebody has done to you, but there's a second way it rises up from our past, and that is this idea that we have done things that are terrible, that are just horrendous in our life. Um, you see, let me, let me back up just real quick. I want to I read a verse. I, I, did, I forgot something real quick. I think this is so important. Um, you know, this idea that you have been hurt by somebody else has done something to you because of something that somebody's done, Um, I want you to hear this little verse uh, that that comes from the book of Psalms. It's so important. I just want you to hear it. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Think about how beautiful that is. How God wants to bring healing toward your life. Amen? Y'all good with this? Okay, now, the second way, the second way uh, is that is that shame rises out of our pasts because we have done done really stupid things in our life, right? Um, it, it, it's true, uh, maybe you have uh, lied about somebody, or uh, you, and so thus you say, I'm bad, I'm guilty, or perhaps you're looking at something that you shouldn't be looking at, and you're supposed to be this Jesus follower, and yet you're secretly engaged in this world of lust, and, and so you say, I'm I'm very bad, right? Or maybe somewhere in your past that you have, like, this sexual sin, and uh, you're going, like, I, if they knew who I was at that church, they wouldn't even let me on the clean team or the, you know, the host team the first five team because I can't hold the door open for somebody because I would contaminate everybody if they really knew what was inside of me. And and we we tend to label ourselves, right? And we tend to uh, think that because I have done something, it keeps reminding us that we are going nowhere in life. And so we start labeling ourselves. We start giving ourselves these, these names and these descriptions and we can't ever seem to move forward because we start saying, I must be defective, I must be damaged, I must be broken, I must be flawed, I'm dirty, or I'm ugly, or I'm impure, or I'm disgusting, or I'm unlovable, and I'm weak, or I'm pitiful, and I'm insignificant, and I'm worthless, and I'm unwanted, and the list goes on and on and on. And going through all that kind of a list, it actually makes me want to go get a drink or something, right? And I don't drink at all because it's depressing about how we label ourselves. And we get stuck there. And our past just keeps coming up over and over and over. And let me tell you something. God wants to heal the past. And he wants to change your future. Amen. Amen. He wants to heal your past and change your future. And, and here's where this all leads. Um, the third thing about shame. The third thing about shame is that it makes you feel unworthy. Um, friends, listen, I talk to people all the time, and they know in their mind, intellectually, even spiritually, that they can be forgiven for everything. And, and they'll even say, I know that I'm forgiven. But there is a huge difference between knowing you're forgiven and feeling the love of God. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? There is a big difference between being forgiven. And knowing that God loves you with an, with an unbelievable, crazy, out of control, larger than life, wrapping his arms around you sort of love and says, I know all of your junk. I know all of your pain. I know everything you've ever done. And yet I still stinking love you like crazy. Yeah. Like crazy. Today, friends, listen, uh, I-, I want you to know that God can heal your past. And he can change your future. Uh, Shame allows you to know about the love of God. But it often keeps you from personally experiencing that love for yourself. And today, my deepest prayer for our church is that God would begin to heal, uh, begin a healing work so deep that it would literally surprise you. Because some of us have lived so long with stuff back there. And I'm just hoping that, like, right now in your seats, that before we leave, you're going to be like, whoa. Whoa. What just happened in my soul? Because God wants to do something that shocking, that deep. He wants to set people free from the devastating emotion of of shame in your life. And and my prayer is is that it really comes out of the book of Isaiah. And I just want to read this to you because I want you to hear what God does for us if you let him. Um, God speaking uh, to Israel through the prophet, he says this. Listen to this, chapter 54. He says, uh, fear not. Fear not. You will no longer live in, come on, shame. shame. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer uh, remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood for your creator will be your husband. He will be your protector. He will be your lover. He will be the one who sustains you and holds you and lifts you and provides for you. Woo! Are y'all hearing me? It says that he will be your husband. Listen, for your, uh, he will be your creator, your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your, what is it? He is your redeemer. He is the holy one of Israel, the God of all the earth. And he's the one who controls your future. Not the junk that you did back there. He's the one who has your life in, in, in his hands. And he is the one who speaks your name and gives you something different, gives you something more. So maybe uh, you didn't quite hear it, but let me just read this a little bit again. It says, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer be remembered by the shame of your youth. Woo! Come on. You feeling that? Uh, and, And why is that? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, something shifts in the deepest part of who you are. You no longer just get to know about God's love. You no longer just get to think about his grace and forgiveness. You experience it for yourself. Here's what it says in the book of 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Listen to this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will what? Forgive us of some of our junk in our past, maybe a little bit of it. It says that he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, Period all of them and purify us from what all unrighteousness and friends here is the good news if we are in Christ you are a new creation the old is gone and the new has come God has separated your sins from who you are he has separated them from the east to the west he sent them in different directions. he does not hold them against you anymore he says you are free and you are free indeed in other words for real man you're free you don't have to keep going back there he says, like, we dealt with that. Like, last Thursday, it's done. And God has this uncanny ability to forget. You and me, it's hard for us to forget. But God purposely forgets. And he says, why do you keep going back? He goes, I got something more. I got something different uh, for for you. He says, there's no condemnation left for you if you're in Christ. Our God is a good God who forgives and remembers your sin no more. If anyone calls on him, he is faithful to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all of the unrighteousness of our life, every part of it. Well, you don't even know how bad it's been or how what I've done or what's in my mind or what I keep going back to. You're right. I don't, but He does. And I don't know why, but God's crazy about the way he loves us and forgives us. And he says, you're not going to stay there forever. If you let me, I will move you forward. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Come on. His forgiveness is real. And if his forgiveness is real, how can we choose to live in our past shame? If his grace is good, how can we live back there? How can we live with this defeated attitude that God uh, won't and I can't and I'm never going to be and I won't ever go forward and the list of excuses goes on and on. How can we possibly believe that God is really good and God is really great and his grace is incredible if, if we don't choose to walk into it and accept it? It says, if anyone calls on his name, God will forgive him. And, and listen to me, friends. Um, God has this ability to separate us from what we've done and who we are. He says, that doesn't define you. It was wrong. And you ought to knock it off. Whatever the it was. You're better than that. You're bigger than that. You you, you can do more than that. You can become more than that. But God says, I don't define you like that. I want something better for you. Um, Shame becomes part of our identity right uh, but God says I've given you a new identity let him speak over you it shame names you it calls you by name but God gives you a different name he labels you his son his daughter his child he, he wants something more from you uh, a great one of the great biblical examples of this and many of you know this is literally one of the great stories in human history and uh, you you hear this kind of story over and over but we forget just how incredible it really is um, The people of God, the Israelites, were in bondage in the land of, anybody remember? Slavery. Anybody, uh, land of Egypt, right? They were in slavery uh, in the land of Egypt. And does anybody remember how long they were in slavery? Come on. 400, 430 years to be exact. 430 stinking years. So I want you to think about this. You're born into slavery. Your mama's a slave, your daddy's a slave, your grandpa's a slave, your great-grandpa's a slave, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy is a slave. That's all you've ever known. That is your identity. You're thinking, I must be worthless. I must be a nobody. This is my lot in life. This is who I am. Every single part about you is slavery. Every single part. Uh, But you know the story. Uh, God raises up a man named... Moses, and Moses goes to the Pharaoh and demands in the name of God that the king allows the people of Israel to go free. And the king says, nope. And God says, okay, let's see who wins. And God uh, sends these plagues and demonstrates his power over the people of, of Egypt. And eventually the king says, okay, take the people and go. And so they go and they are away from Egypt. But one of the things that we learn is that though they were free outwardly, most of them were still slaves inwardly. Come on. Yeah. They, they, they lived there because that's all they have ever known. They, they were slaves to the shame of their identity, of their, of their past. Listen, let, let me say it another way. Though they were out of slavery, slavery was not out of them. You hear me? Though they were out of slavery, slavery was not out of them. And at least once in a while you could nod and clap and like cheer me on a little bit because that, I'm thinking, is a good thing. Uh, though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was not out of them. And friends, a whole bunch of us are supposedly free from sin, but sin is not out of us. We're free from shame, but shame is not out of us. We're free from the devil's identity over us, but, but the devil's identi- identity is not out of us. And this is the problem. Uh, we, many of us know intellectually that God has forgiven our sins, that he has moved us out of something. But friends, in our hearts, we don't really know it. In our heart, we, we aren't past the shame of our past, the things that have held us in, in our past. And God wants us to be truly truly free. And so here is the bottom line. You may want to write this down. You may want to think about this. We want to even take a picture of this. Uh, this is how Pastor Craig Rochelle says this in one of his books. I think this is so good. He says, uh, you're still believing that you are something that God says that you are not. You are still believing something that God says that you are not. So, so what's the solution? If God says you're not addicted to that anymore, You don't have to live there anymore. Uh, You don't have to be captive to that thought anymore. You don't have to be captive to what that person did to you anymore. You don't have to be captive to any of this stuff anymore. Um, The problem is, is that... um, We still believe that you're something that God says that you're not. And so uh, Pastor Craig Groeschel goes on to write it like this. He he says, uh, if if the work of God is complete in us, then something different has to happen. He says, the only way to heal from shame is to move the focus from what I am not to who Christ is. Do you hear what I'm saying? The only way to move forward uh, from the shame is to focus not on what, I, what I'm not. Don't, go, don't keep thinking about that, but you have to focus on who Christ says you are and who Christ is and what Christ has done for you. Whenever you're focused on yourself, you're gonna come up short, right? You do realize this, if you're gonna focus on yourself, you are going to come up short. You're you're gonna, you're not gonna have enough to move forward because if you had enough to move forward, you would have already moved forward, right? And so, um, can I just, at the risk of sounding a little bit rude, uh, some of you might go, "Well, if you knew just how bad I am, I'm just, I'm bad, I'm just bad, I do bad things." Can I just say, "Yep, you're bad." You ought to not be, but, but you are, right? And some might say, well, I'm just kind of a sinner. And I'm like, yeah, you, you are a sinner. Uh, you, you're not designed to, to, to do life on your own. You can go, well, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm kind of inadequate. True, you are inadequate. Some of you are like pathetic even. <laughs> Seriously, because I'm pathetic at times. It's true. And this is the good news. This is the good news of the gospel that I can't fix me. I can't fix my, my past. I can't fix yesterday. I can work, and I can, I can try, and I should, and we talk about that all the time around here. But, friends, somehow the focus needs to move off of what we think we are onto who Christ thinks we are. There has to be a change, because, listen, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We need to move to the focus of who Jesus is, and it needs to be the daily pursuit of our life. Um, He is our solution for our shameful past. Did you hear me? And some of, I get it, you're like brand new to this thing called faith, and you're going, what? I'm just telling you, listen, in real simple terms, you get to know Jesus, and your life will change. You get more of him, I'm not talking about more of the church, more of the preacher, uh, more Christian music. I'm talking about if you get more of Jesus in your life, your life will change for the good. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. Uh, remember the Israelites, they were in, in the uh, slavery for 430 years and then they wander for 40 more years. It's crazy. And they get out of Egypt, but Egypt was still not out of them. Uh, and so now Moses is dead. They're crossing over into the promised land. Finally, I mean, we're talking hundreds of years of living, and thinking they're like slaves, right? And listen to what God speaks to the great prophet Joshua. Listen to this. This is amazing. Uh, The Lord says to Joshua, today, today, junior, right? Today, both of our campuses, listen to me, not tomorrow, not three weeks from now after you complete a bunch of sessions of counseling, not like, not next year after you get out of school, not, not later. He says what? Today, he says, today, God says, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. 400 plus years. And they finally get to the point where God declares over them, you finally have really left Egypt. You finally got there. It's going to be different. I've rolled away your shame, your enemy." your enemy will say, shame on you. You ever heard this before? Anybody ever say, shame on you? No, 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 bro. Shame not on me. Shame goes to Jesus because when he paid my price on the cross, it says he carried my weight of my sin and my shame. All of it, it goes on me. Well, shame on you for being a loser. Yep, I am, but it goes right on him now. It's like he pays my penalty. That's what it means is that he carries the burden that's back there. He, he moves us forward. We want to stay back there. He says, no, I got you. I'm carrying you. Well, shame on you. Shame on you. You're pathetic. No, I'm not pathetic anymore because he is good. You know what I am? I am forgiven. You know what I am? I am a child of God. You know what I am? I am free and I am free indeed. You know what I am? I'm moving forward. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing something different because Christ has made me different. Different. Shame on you. You're not good. No, no, no. I know I'm not good, but God is good. Shame on you. I'm not, you've done terrible things. You're pathetic. I know I'm pathetic, but God is my strength. Right? Shame on you. Shame on you. The enemy says, well, listen, you're this and you're lazy, and God, but God is your, your goodness. He is your strength. Listen, God is in Christ. He is more than enough for you. He is more than enough for you. There's no condemnation, the scripture says, if you're found in Christ. None. Uh, you, you, you fail, and your enemy will try to remind you that you fail, um, because he will try to connect who you were to what you are today, and to what you did to who you are today. He's going to try to connect that, and God says, I'm going to separate that, and I'm going to come and live in you and take up resonance in you and cause you to grow and to move forward and to become something different. And so... Um, I want you to know that God heals our past and he changes our future. Can I just leave you with one verse of Scripture, two verses of Scripture, one little passage of Scripture uh, found in the book of Colossians? This is so good. And I just want this to land on you, and we're just going to rest on this, let God's word speak into you a little bit tonight. Here's what it says It says, Since then, listen, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Since Christ has done a work in your hearts, He goes, Set your hearts on where? Come on, anybody? Above. On things above on things above, change your focus, get it off of what you've been and who everybody says you are to to who Christ says you are. It says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, it says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Well, I got so much to worry about. I got so many things calling my name, so many things vying for my attention. Oh, Jesus Christ, you're my one desire. No, he's not. You got a million different desires. You need to focus on the one desire that really changes everything right? It says, set your, what? Your minds on the things above, not on earthly things down here, for you, what? Died and your life is now, what is this word? Hidden Hidden with Christ in God. And we've spent most of our life hiding from God. And Christ says, no, no, no. You're not hiding from him anymore. You're with him. How can you hide from him when he's with you? It's like your kid when you're little and you're holding their hand and they put their hands over their eyes and say, Daddy, can you see me? Yes, I can see you. We say, no, I can't see you, son. Keep hiding. And God says, are you crazy? Would you stop running from me? Would you stop hiding from me? Don't live back there. Set your mind on things above. Because I'm with you. I am with you. Let that land on you.